0: That's one small step for man. There is no planet B. I stand here today humbled. You turn if you want to. I will not be lectured about sexism. The winner is Cindy. This week in history.
1: Well, you're about to learn about a woman who had the distinction of being the first royal mistress to be officially recognized in French history. Her name was Agnes Sorel, she was the mistress of King Charles VII of France, and she died this week in history on February the 9th, 1450, in, well, perhaps suspicious circumstances. Véronique Douche is Professor of French at the University of Melbourne. She's your guest with the story of how Agnes influenced the course of French history. Bonsoir, Véronique. Welcome. Bonsoir, and thank you for the opportunity to join you. Well, I think you're very excited to talk about Agnes Sorel because perhaps she's not as uh, well-known to, uh, to us as she might be. So, look, set the scene for us, Veronique. It's France in the 1400s. Give us a sense of King Charles VII, the state of the nation.
0: So France in the 1400s was in the middle of the Hundred Years' War, which was fought between the kingdoms of England and France. And France, at the same time, was also devastated by civil war, Indeed, um, the then um, King Charles VI was nicknamed the Mad. And because of his intermittent madness, there, there was a civil war in France. He died in 1422, but his son was not crowned king until seven years later, and this because Reims, the city of the coronation, was under English control, and due to a lack of soldiers, Charles was unable to conquer his entire kingdom. So he needed the intervention of John of Arc. This name must ring a bell. Of course. And John of Arc gave him renewed hope and she gave courage to the supporters of the king. And this led to the coronation of the king in Reims in 1429, as well as uh, confirming his legitimacy. Yeah, wow. Okay, but he was seen as a weak king, wasn't he? Yes, indeed. He, he was um, he inherited the throne at the age of 19, and he was not a compelling candidate for a successful kingship. The chroniclers of the time commented on his physical failings. He had protruding lips, beady eyes. He was rather awkward. He didn't have much drive or determination, and he clearly lacked charisma he had no political power, but he listened to women. First of all, he listened to a young girl who told him she was going to save France, Joan of Arc, with the success we all know. And the second woman he listened to was Agnès Sorel. All right, well, let's talk
1: about uh, Agnès Sorel then. (laughs) Where did her family come from? How did she first
0: end up meeting King Charles? So Agnès was born a uh, we think, in 1424, and she made her way from the lower nobility to the royal court, and a journey that made her the first favourite in French history. Charles likely met her in 1443 uh, through family connections, actually, because his uh, Charles' wife, Marie d'Anjou, had a brother, uh, René d'Anjou, and René d'Anjou had a wife Isabelle duchess of Lorraine and Agnès was one of the ladies in waiting of Isabelle and so
1: but... <laughs> I find you've just described Charles as quite physically unappealing. Yes. So I know she's young and beautiful. He's sort of, by the time she meets him, kind of middle-aged and presumably these characteristics you talked about have only become more emphasised. Uh, What do you think she saw in in him? Was it just that he was the
0: king? Yes, I think she saw in him an opportunity. Mm. All Right. Uh, But her beauty was renowned, wasn't it? Yes, all the contemporaries acknowledge Agnes's great beauty. And um, Charles brought her uh, to the service of his wife, Queen Marie d'Anjou. He placed her in a position where, as a member of his wife's entourage, she would be accessible to him. However, according to the chroniclers of the time, at the start, the relationship was remarkable for its discretion.
1: Okay, he was discreet at the beginning,
0: and then moved into being
1: much less discreet as as we will see. (laughs) So he he does all this. So he's not only married; he's much older than her. And when he puts her into the service of of his queen Marie, though, how does she feel about that? Because she presumably can
0: see what's going on. Yes. So I think she was (laughs) aware of her husband having a kind of midlife crisis. So Marie d'Anjou had married Charles at the age of 17. She was known as a very gentle woman and she bore him 14 children. Many of them died. So most of the time she wore black and she was mourning the loss of her children. She had a failing health, but she couldn't do anything else than being resigned. When the king left her, she was pregnant with her 12th child when he left her to follow Agnes in 1443. And then when Agnes was presented to to the court as a first official favourite, she, she couldn't do anything.
1: So so did he actually, I mean, I suppose he didn't divorce his queen, but he sort of said, right, I'm, I'm through with you. Or how, how did that all play out?
0: Oh, I think it was a kind of, double life, <laughs> yeah. when you had the, the Queen as a legitimate wife and, and the mistress. Mm. Uh, I've
1: got uh, Véronique Douche here, Professor of French at the University of Melbourne. We're talking about the story of Agnes Sorel, who was uh, the first official royal mistress uh, in the French court. So King Charles, completely besotted, there were endless gifts that he gave to her. What kind of gifts um, were they?
0: The most obvious gift was the chateau of Beauté sur Marne, near Vincennes, in the um, region of Paris. And this chateau earned Agnès the name of Lady of Beauty, la Dame de Beauté. This royal chateau was the most beautiful chateau in the the Île-de-France, in the region of Paris. But many other gifts were bestowed on Agnes. Jewels, furs, fabrics, clothes, and nothing was too much for the king nor for Agnes. And for example, Agnes was the first woman to wear cut diamonds, a luxury that was reserved only for men of the church and king's
1: Okay, she's breaking quite a lot of uh, a lot of boundaries then, and and um, Veronique, she seems to have been able to influence the king of matters of state and uh, on controlling his court. Um, I think from the sounds of it, he needed a bit of help in that department.
0: But what kind of influence did she have was she a, was she a smart player? Uh, so. All the chroniclers note that by 1443 there was a change in Charles and during the six years that he was very publicly tied to Agnes, he was an accomplished king. And because this expansion of royal power coincided with his time with Agnes, uh, Agnes was frequently given credit for these important developments. So Agnes accompanied the king on numerous trips. For example, she urged him to recapture the towns that had been in English hands for years. She also managed to give strategic positions to her friends and to her family, notably her four brothers, who gained positions through their sister's influence. And we will talk about him perhaps later, but she also promoted Jacques Coeur, who became the keeper of the King's Purse. You're on
1: Nightlife with Suzanne Hill on this Sunday night. It's This Week in History. Our topic is Agnes Sorel, who became the mistress of King Charles the Seventh of France. She died this week in history, uh, February the 9th, 1450. Now, as she's got all this influence, Veronique, I assume she's making a few enemies as well, people who are looking at this sort of you know, a young, beautiful woman who's walking around wearing cut diamonds
0: and saying, hang on, this isn't right. Indeed, uh, there was some jealousy about Agnes and in particular because of she had promoted so many men uh, from her family and from her entourage.
1: Now, um, I really want to talk, Véronique, about Agnes and her fashion sense because Agnes has been popping up in sort of modern day uh, articles because she's quite famous for a particular feature of her clothing. What was she renowned for?
0: So absolutely, Agnes invented toplessness or the shoulderless (laughs) décolleté. So the ancestors of the bra was born around then. And these bustier délacés or endless bustier accentuated a woman's breasts. Um, And also uh, Agnès had a good sense of fashion. She liked to play with transparencies. She introduced long trains and even higher headdresses, And at the time where little attention was paid to hygiene, she inspired the court to adopt body treatments, massage, bath, and perfumes. And this was inspired by Oriental fashion. She also shaved her eyebrows and her forehead in order to broaden her forehead. So she invented these fashion trends.
1: Now, so when you say toplessness, is this right? She was sort of would get around the court just bearing one breast or having her clothes designed in such a way that at least one nipple
0: would be sort of visible at most times? Yes, that that's true. But I think it's still the case nowadays with some famous actresses. <laughs> All right. Did everyone else copy or was she left to go
1: it alone on the matter of sort of not leaving much to the imagination in the breast department?
0: No, she launched a trend and there were other women at at the court who, who did the same.
1: Okay. So when you watch a, a movie or a TV series and you get sort of, you know, visits to Versailles and you get these quite outrageous outfits sometimes, there are women sometimes with jewels on their nipples, we can, we can trace all of that back to Agnes?
0: Yes, yes, we can. Okay.
1: There you yeah. go. That's, what, that's <laughs> one of her legacies. Um, was there a bit of outrage, though? I'd imagine, though, for example, you might have the, the church saying, what is going
0: on here? Yes, absolutely. So her style caused scandals left and right. For example, her sable-lined dress trains, sometimes up to eight meters long, surpassed the queen's in length and luxury. And her, of course, her décolleté was characterized as debauched and representative of weakening values, according to religious leaders of the time.
1: And, and Veronique, I understand there was a painter called Jean Fouquet and he used Agnes and her exposed breast as a model for a painting of the Virgin Mary, which I imagine would have created some controversy too.
0: Yes, for us it's very shocking. So there is this painting of Mary breastfeeding baby Jesus and this painting is as famous in Antwerp as is the Mona Lisa in the Louvre so we can see on this painting the virgin and the child surrounded by angels, seraphim and cherubim and and, and, and Agnès has been chosen as a model by the painter Jean Fouquet, he was an illuminator and painter at the court of Charles VII and the work was commissioned by Étienne Chevalier who was then the king's treasurer and he wanted to leave a trace of his great piety. So Jean Fouquet used Agnès as his model. She was dead uh, at the time he did the painting, but he knew how she looked like. So that's a fantastic uh, painting that is one of the masterworks of French painting and of 15th century art in general.
1: And uh, people might have seen it if they've been to the Royal Museum of Fine Arts in in Antwerp, Virgo Lactans, it's called. Um, Now, as I said at the beginning, Veronique, um, Agnes was given a kind of official recognition as Charles's
0: mistress. How was that different to the royal mistresses who had come before her? Yes, the previous kings of France uh, had not been models of conjugal happiness or fidelity, but when they had mistresses, they kept that hidden or relatively secret. So what was different with Agnès is that she became the first officially designated French royal mistress. Just presented her to the courts and gave her a position within it. And this new status allowed Agnès to set a standard for the royal mistress as a public celebrity. And it gave her unprecedented opportunities. So instead of being a partner in a hidden or private relationship, she assumed a prominent public role, and that's that's very ironic actually because Charles gave uh, created new opportunities for women to exercise power at a time when the women had been explicitly excluded from ruling. To settle the succession crisis of the Hundred Years' War, at that time men he inherited landed property but women inherited only personal property and they could not inherit the crown So that's very ironic.
1: And so once um, Charles and and Agnes had created this tradition of making her a very publicly visible figure, did that tradition continue through the ages, that mistresses were were much more
0: elevated than they'd been previously? Yes, yes. And uh, for example, in 16th century, we have Diane de Poitiers who was a very influent mistress with two kings in a row, francois I, Francis I, and Henry II, Henri II. But uh, we know the famous mistresses at the court of Louis XIV, Louis XIV, the king's son, or Louis the XV. So that, that would be um, a sort of tradition. Uh, Valonek Douche is here, Professor of French
1: at the University of Melbourne. So um, Agnes did have some children with Charles the, uh, the VII. How many did she have?
0: So Agnes bore four daughters to the king and she died a few days after giving birth to her fourth child. And that child I don't think survived very long. I no, no, no. So
1: then, of course, you've got these these new daughters. Did, did the king dote on them? I assume he acknowledged them, given that he had acknowledged Agnes so publicly. Yes, he did, yes, so the kings had all these other children, of course, via Marie uh, Anjou, and the king's son, the Dauphin, who ended up being um, Louis the Eleventh, was not a fan of uh, Agnes. I think he wasn't a fan of his own father either, and he rebelled against his father at one stage what What was that all about
0: yes, um. Charles the Seventh was at odds with his son because the the son was impatiently awaiting the throne. <laughs> so the Dauphin, he was called the Dauphin. He was the the first son who was um, in to inherit the throne. Um, so the the Dauphin and Agnès, whom the king was imposing, were not going to be friends for five years. So. Uh, at some time, it went well, and the Dauphin um, gave, was given some opportunities. At the, at the when his own wife died in forty four, he was um, allowed to choose his new wife alone. And he drew closer to his mother, uh, Marie d'Anjou, but then there was a big confrontation and um, Louis, the future Louis XI, the the Dauphin, was uh, reported pursuing the king's mistress, a sword in hand to avenge the insult done to his mother. And here I'm reading a report uh, that came to the ears of Pope Pius II. So um, the Dauphin insulted the favourite in public. She, He threatened her, and that led the king to exile his son in Dauphiné. He exiled him. Did those two ever reconcile? He, um, no, they did not really reconcile. But at um, at, at the end, um, when um, Agnès was, um, uh, when she died, he took care of her, her the daughters that that were left from the relationship with the king. So, Veronique, let's
1: get to this week in history in 1450 when Agnes died. What happened?
0: So um, we have to go back to 1450 as Charles prepared to besiege the English-led city of Rouen in Normandy. Agnes went to visit him. Um, although she was very advanced in her pregnancy. So we don't know why he, she chose to visit the king. Was she jealous? Did she want to inspire Charles to greater feats of valor? We don't know. But whatever the reason, Charles was not uh, very happy to see he, her and he installed her at the Abbey of Jumiege that was near his military um, headquarters. Agnes was exhausted by the trip. She delivered another daughter, but several days later she reported severe stomach pains and she died on the 9th of February.
1: Does anyone really have theories about
0: why he didn't want to see her? This is all quite intriguing, isn't it? Yes, we don't know exactly. Perhaps he just wanted to focus on his military um, feats and was not happy to have a woman in his way. Yeah. But he would shown no signs of tiring of her, had he? No, he did not. No. No. And and, and they were still early in their relation, the relationship. It was only 6 years they had been together. Yeah, and she must have still been very young. Yeah, she was still very young. She was not even 28. Oh,
1: gosh. And there she is, born four children and, and died at that, that young age. But her death, Veronique, was definitely suspicious. Was there suspicion at the time that foul play may have been involved in some way?
0: Yes, there was some suspicion and we had a suspect. <laughs> the suspect was Jacques Coeur, the um, the master of the mint. And he, he was infatuated with Agnès Sorel too. And that precipitated his fall from grace. So he was one of the suspects. But uh, Burgundian historians openly accused also the Dauphin, uh, the future Louis the Eleventh. Of Agnes's death,
1: so Shakur though he he'd been brought up into power thanks to Agnes.
0: What motive would he have had, except
1: what it was jealousy? I guess.
0: Yes, we, yes, yes, and and I think it was just a, an excuse for his enemies to get at him.
1: Oh, okay, to say okay, we're going to take him down because we'll we'll kind of accuse Absolutely. him of this crime. People were definitely thinking something's not quite right yes. here, and they were right, as we'll talk about in a moment. Now, I know she was buried at this this monastery where the king had said, "Okay, go go over there and, and stay there."
0: Her tomb's actually been disturbed a number of times, hasn't it? <laughs> Yes, Charles ordered a funerary monument built in Jumiege in the Abbey. So the the heart, Agnès' heart, was kept in the Abbey. But the rest of her body was buried with that of her deceased infant daughter. And that was according to her last will in the collegiate church Saint-Ours of Loche, where her tomb effigy can still be seen today. But um, during church renovations, grave robbing occurred, and during the revolution, the the statue that was on the recumbent bed of Agnes uh, was broken. The, The tip of the nose of the statue was broken.
1: So there'd been, as we say, Veronique, even at the time, there'd been some suspicion that something must have gone wrong to cause her early death. And the chatter was still so great hundreds of years later that her body was exhumed. What did they find when they they had a look at it?
0: Yes, the transfer from the logis royal gave the opportunity to authenticate her remains and to clarify the year of her birth, the cause of her death, or even the color of her hair. So we can attest that she was blonde. (laughs) And we can affirm that she had been poisoned with mercury. So it was through a sophisticated scientific um, tool, a synchrotron light, Pieces of Agnès's hair and skin have been studied and incredibly high levels of mercury have been found. However, the cause of the death was inconclusive.
1: But these levels of mercury were so high that you would... That's sort of where everyone's looking, aren't they?
0: Yes. But th- there is a possibility that she tried to use some, some medicine to cure her stomach pains and she um, accidentally poisoned herself. So we, we, we don't know exactly. However, the exhumation gave also scientists the opportunity to reconstruct a 3D face of Agnès and according to Professor Philippe Charlier this portrait is not far removed from the painting by Jean Fouquet and there is a strong resemblance with the small mouth, the big eyes and the big forehead
1: uh, So if you look at that picture of Virgo Lactans you'll get a good idea then of what, what they think she looked like. Exactly Yeah. So is she well remembered
0: in France today, Véronique so quite a lot of literature has been published in the 19th century about Agnès and her legend. So she's more a legend than a historical character, actually. And there is also a revival at the beginning of our century. The, so we can find many books titled, for example, Agnès Sorel, Dame de coeur et de beauté. And here there is a play on words because she was the Lady of Coeur, Jacques Coeur, the treasurer, and Beauté, her castles. Or there are many books that uh, are interested of the affair Agnès Sorel, why did she die, uh, who has killed her. And these books are written both in English or in French. But for some books, it's just because Agnès, for the author, is an image of femininity and modernity at that time. Yeah, a woman,
1: uh, yes, using using her political powers. Now, there's an omelette named after her too, Veronique. What's, what's a, an <laughs> omelette Agnes Sorel
0: consist of? Yes, so she um, she was interested in, in cooking, actually, and a garnish, a soup, tartlets, all bear her name, as later chefs remembered her for her interest in food. And in classic cooking, Agnes Sorel is the name of a garnish composed essentially of button mushrooms, Chicken breast, breast and scarlet tongue, variously detailed according to the dish to be completed. An omelette, as you said, but also braised veal or chicken supreme.
1: Oh, wow. So if you wanted to go on an Agnes Sorel culinary tour of France, you uh, you probably could. Now, I know there's some, you, you think you mentioned it before, the Chateau de L'Oge, um which might be somewhere that people might want to go if they're interested in her life. What was the connection with the, that chateau and Agnes?
0: Uh, we know that she loved spending time there. So this castle is in the Loire Valley and it was a um, lovely fortress. Um, but we think that, after her death, the the enemies, the, her enemies decided to transform the 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 castle, uh, the pleasure castle, into a prison.
1: OK, well, that's not so much fun anymore.
0: What is it now? Can people go and visit it? Absolutely, yes. And you can find Agnès Gison. That, that's her recumbent bed with, with her statue. And you can also uh, find copies of the famous painting of her, uh, painted by Jean
1: Fouquet. And um, Veronique, just, just finally, I mean we mentioned that there was a, she's obviously had some influence on, on fashion. She ended up setting the agenda as, as this sort of prominent mistress. Were there other ways I mean, when you look at, at Charles and the way he sort of uh, you know, really lifted his game as king during the period that she was with him, were there any other sort of longer-term consequences for French history of her time as his
0: mistress? Uh, yes, so, so this invention, the invention of this role. The royal mistress, this public role that was given to the mistress, and that balanced in in a in a sense the role of the wife, the queen, that became less important.
1: Uh, Veronique, thank you so much for joining us on Night Live tonight to talk to us about uh, the life of Agnès Sorel. My pleasure. Thank you. Veronique Dujosh is professor of French at the University of Melbourne and our guest in this week in history tonight.